welcome to Entrepreneur Mindset Reset, the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to learn from fellow business owners how to decrease the chaos and increase their sense of fulfillment while becoming more profitable. I'm your host, Tracy Trapesky. I'm an executive coach and consultant and mindset mastery expert. I'm also mom to two amazing teenagers and a menagerie of adopted furry family members. In each episode, we explore challenges, opportunities, and actionable tips to help you move your business forward while staying true to your vision. You'll hear from me and my guests how we've tackled some of the pitfalls and unexpected surprises that entrepreneurship delivers. We're the real deal, and we're here to inspire and encourage you. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today for a new episode. It's your host, Tracy, and I am so excited to share today's episode with you. Before we dive in, I'd like to remind you that your reviews and ratings help other entrepreneurs like you and me find us to partake in these free resources, connection, and valuable business mindset insights. So please do take a few minutes to leave your review on Apple to support us in our growth and to help our fellow entrepreneurs find our amazing guests' stories. As you know, the entrepreneur's journey can feel lonesome and isolating. I am on a mission to help entrepreneurs break through the isolation and achieve the success and fulfillment they've always dreamed of. I do this in two ways, both through my business and through this podcast. In my business, I've recently committed to dramatically narrowing my niche, which has been both scary as hell and extremely rewarding. It's making my life and business easier and has reignited my passion and excitement for what I do. So stay tuned for an upcoming solo episode where I'll share this transition, the mindset I needed to embrace, and how I've worked through the fear so I too can achieve the success and fulfillment I crave. For those who may be a little impatient maybe in finding out, I'll share a little sneak peek and tell you that over the years, many physicians, practitioners, and psychologists who own their practices have come to me to help them tackle the chaos and frustration of owning their business and to free up their time so they can enjoy the fruits of their labor while still serving their patients with the utmost care and professionalism. These amazing humans all have one thing in common. They're all puzzle solvers of some kind and want to help their patients get to the root cause of what ails them so they can heal and in turn live their most fulfilled embodied life. I'd say most entrepreneurs have that in common to some extent. We see a gap in the market and we passionately fill it. If you are what we call an INRP, a practitioner of integrative naturopathic or regenerative medicine, or a psychologist who's struggling to strike a balance between being the everything person in your practice and you'd like to take back your time, I invite you to join us on Monday, February 21st for a private roundtable discussion on how to master time leadership as owner and provider. You can learn more and register at tracycherpesky.com forward slash medical hyphen practices. There is a clickable link in the show notes. Okay. Let's talk about our guest today. It is with so much pleasure that I get to share with you the energetic and refreshingly honest Raquel Boris of Rock Vision and host of YouTube channel Rock the Boat. She's also a mental health advocate. Raquel shares with us how her childhood shaped her view of the world and how she relates with and can draw out the best in children. 
Rock Vision is the youth 17 and under social network, a mindful and supportive playground. With a background in branding and marketing, Raquel set out to build a social platform that serves as a disruptor to social media, which is often toxic and isolating to kids and teenagers. And I would say really to all of us. Since she is really great at branding, she has managed in just one year to build a platform with no third-party connections where children can feel safe, seen, and heard. She was seeing how much the kids have been craving community, particularly with the isolation of the pandemic lockdowns, and wanted to do something about it. Again, this is an example of seeing a gap in the market and filling it, passionately filling it. One thing that they encourage at Rock Vision is what they call a no-so 24, a social media, music, TV, and mobile devices cleanse for 24 hours as a means to reset and tune into themselves and those they love. I think we could all use a no-so 24, don't you think? I love the story Raquel shares about a 15-year-old who reached out to her on LinkedIn to tell her how inspired she was after seeing a sweaty armpit photo, meaning not perfect, no filters, and definitely not something one would choose to post in our highly curated social media times. It was just a photo of a young woman who had danced the night away and had a blast with her friends. I freaking love this story, and I'm sure you will too. Raquel's dedication to providing a safe space and a voice to young people is impressive, and her passion and enthusiasm are palpable. I want to also highlight her refreshing honesty and how allowing the space for this platform to evolve into her ideal vision means that she's choosing to work a salaried day job to both finance Rock Vision and to maintain her living expenses. The truth is, there are a lot of people on social media making it look easy, and for many of us, that triggers some serious not-good-enough thoughts, when in reality, starting a new venture can be very difficult, and it definitely requires funding. How we all choose to manifest that funding will be different, and there's no shame in that. Give this episode a listen and enjoy. I find myself reflecting on our conversation a lot, and I'm sure you will too. So grab a beverage or a snack and settle in to listen to Raquel and her amazing journey. Hey, Raquel, it's so great to have you on the show. Thanks for coming today. Thank you, Tracy. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. We always have these great conversations. Like we're like all over the map and then we come back with great nuggets of of wisdom and, and insights. So I'm excited to share that. But before we dive in, let us know where you are located right now. I'm in Northern Virginia. So I'm just outside of Washington, D.C. in the suburbs. Awesome. Yes. I know where you are. <laughs> I don't know where you live, but I know what, <laughs> what town you live in. I, I know that area well. Yeah, it's very pretty there. Yes. Getting busy, getting like exploding growth-wise, right? Yes, it, it's crazy. A lot of it is the IT, you know, all the data centers. That's the mm-hmm. thing in this area. So a lot of buildings with nothing but computers. <laughs> right. <laughs> really sexy. <laughs> It's super sexy. Yeah. The tech corridor, the tech corridor. Yeah. (laughs) That's where all the fun, the cool kids are. Exactly. (laughs) Oh yes. As a DC transplant, I actually lived kind of in that general direction for a while in the tech corridor. And it's, you know, it's a great place to live. It really is. It is. It it is a great place to, to raise your kids because the public school system is really good. It is a little nuts right now. I'll I'll admit that, but, um, (laughs) As, as far as, you know, they say that it takes a village. It's nice because it is kind of like a village here helping. 
Yeah. Each other out. Everybody knows everybody and small town. So that, that, that part, I like it because I did not grow up that way at all. My kids upbringing is completely opposite of my upbringing. Mm, Yeah. That sounds like it was very intentional. Yes, it was very intentional. Mine, mine wasn't, mine was kind of all over the place. Mm. I think that might be a little bit of a generational thing. You know, it's, it's broad strokes, but yeah. Plus my mom, um, she's Mexican and she grew up in Mexico, everything. My dad is the one that essentially drew her to the States because my dad was in medical school in Mexico, met her there. And so then she came and moved out here and, um, she was very kind of anti wanting to assimilate into the American culture. So as kids, we, we essentially kind of suffered a little bit because our mom wanted to do the opposite of what everybody was doing, you know? So that, yeah. And, and here with my kids, I'm totally like the Americana lifestyle, you know, with the sports and the, uh, and all the events and the PTA and doing everything that my mom didn't do. So that, that, so that's an interesting thing as a, as a parent, when you're trying to do the opposite of what your own parent did with you. Right. Well, there's a lot of things that we, you know, recognize that maybe we want to do differently. And if we can, then we do, we do yeah. the best we can. Right. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> with that. Well, you know, and I feel like we're kind of diving into the middle when I ask this question, so you can yeah. back it up and, and, you know, okay. move it whatever direction you want, but do you feel like that upbringing and then becoming very intentional about giving your kids a different experience informs what you're doing now? Yes, it definitely does. Being that I never really felt like I had a voice as a kid. You know, my mom was very much like, you need to wear this or you need to have your hair done this way. Like my mom used to do my hair and I used to wear dresses and saddle shoes and match perfectly. Even she would put like a little bow in my hair that would match my dress. And I'll never forget, it was up until fourth grade that she was doing that. And I remember going to school. I went to a Jewish private school. It was my first time. So first day of fourth grade, and I walk in with the dress, all dolled up. And boy, did I get made fun of, Mm -hmm. you know, and I just remember thinking, uh, I guess this isn't what, (laughs) you know, I looked around, I saw the other (laughs) girls and I thought, okay, uh, this is just not, uh, I don't fit in. And yeah, being made fun of. I remember going home and being like, yeah, mom, you're going to take me shopping and we're going to go buy pants. And then I chopped my hair off into a bob. Like I was just like, (laughs) none of this, but it's because my mom pretty much like wanted me to have this certain image. And so I just felt like I had to kind of follow what she said. And now growing up in that environment and then having my kids and then now speaking to kids, it's all about giving them a voice and having them be heard. Yeah. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of like a lot of it goes reverts back to my childhood. And I don't really talk about that. Like when people ask me like, oh, you're, you know, you're youth empowerment and you talk to kids. I don't think I've really shared much of why I do this. It's not just because I'm a parent of a 20 and 17 year old It's because I myself still have trauma from all of that. So it's something that, yeah, it's, I've experienced it. (laughs) You know, somebody that you and I both know, um, Dr. Cam, Dr. Cameron Caswell, for people who want to look her up, the, uh, (laughs) the teen translator, she says something really powerful, which is that, you know, teenagers and adolescents feel misunderstood because they are. 
Yeah. And the adults in their lives are missing opportunities to really listen and to really get to know them and to really understand. And, you know, I think all of our parents did the best they could with the tools that they had. And we can look back and say, boy, was your mom missing it? Right. And yeah. boy, were my parents missing whatever, you know, like she, she wasn't seeing it. And I'm sure she was probably doing a lot of things similar to how, why you were intentionally raised your kids this way, that she probably had a very clear and maybe very fixed idea of, of what it meant to raise probably in particular a daughter. Yeah. You know, I have a little bit of experience in having lived in Mexico and, and my children's father grew up in Mexico, a little bit different. Um, they're like English Mexicans. So it's kind of a different thing, but there's still that societal pressure of being a certain way. And that girls especially are meant to be, you know, very nicely packaged. Well, even, even marriage too. Um, when I told mm. her that I wanted to get divorced, she like flipped out. Right. Because she was a housewife and she, you know, was the same thing with the, as a Latina woman, you cook, you clean, but she didn't, we had a nanny. So she even was like super spoiled, but either way, I just, I'll never forget when I finally got divorced, we were out one night, she was visiting me and we were at a restaurant and she made a comment where she said, you know, Raquel, she's like, I never knew this about you. Like you're so sensual and you have like a sexual side to you. Like she didn't, she was just kind of shocked and thought like I was like a completely different person. And I turned her, I said, mom, I've always been this way. It's just never, it was always suppressed and repressed and like all of those things. Like I felt like I couldn't be that person mm-hmm. in, in my marriage or just in life, just in general. And she was like, I like you so much better as a divorcee because she felt like I was finally stepping into who I was. Interesting. And, um, and it's, it's, so it was really kind of crazy to hear it coming from her because I was like, well, you same thing with my dad, like they ended up divorced and she really wasn't who she could be until she was divorced. And now she's been single for years and she does, you know, she's like a completely different person, but it's like, it's not really the different person. It's just finally being able to be who you were always meant to be. Yes. <laughs> That's what I say. I'm like, I'm not different. I'm just finally who I am. <laughs> like, yeah. You took, you took off me. your masks. Yeah. 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 So all of those things. Mm. And I, once again, like it, it, that's what I want our kids are used to kind of also understand that like so many of them are, are repressing who they are, suppressing it because they're being labeled by their parents or by outside sources, kind of like, oh, you're this, you're that, you're ADHD, or you're quiet, or you're shy, or, and then automatically it's you're molding these kids into something that they might not be. And so that's like really dangerous too, that if we continue to do that, we have to allow our kids to step into who they are. Yeah. Obviously with some guidance, you know, you don't want it to just be like, Hey, do whatever you want, be whoever you be and without any kind of like, you know, boundaries or respect there, obviously there has to be that fine line, but at the same time, like, I think right now with social media and everything, it's become Mm -hmm. really bad where they really feel like they're supposed to be something that they're not because everybody else is like, you know, especially with young women you know, they see all these images of these perfect curated, filtered, edited pictures. And then suddenly they think, oh gosh, my life isn't like that. Or I don't look like that. There must be something wrong with me. And then all of those things. And, and that's, yeah, that's where it gets dangerous. (laughs) Yeah. So you have started something new. You started 
this just before the pandemic lockdowns, right? You started working or you've kind of started two things. So tell us what you're doing now. I think that'll be helpful. You're, you've got a couple things going, but specifically with young people. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just rewind just to last year in January, I left the corporate world to start my own personal branding, like consulting business. And then the pandemic hit and, you know, obviously like anybody else, a lot of us had to kind of re-navigate where we were going. And I just naturally started becoming a guest on podcasts and, and live streams, talking about mental health and personal branding, just because I had shared my story about mental health on LinkedIn specifically. And just one day it came to me, okay, you know what? If I'm going to have a podcast or if I'm going to do a show, I want it to be with our youth because that's where I felt there was a huge need was to talk to our kids because, you know, my kids are 20 and 17. They already have been dealing, had been dealing with a lot because of social media, you know, suicide was on the, is on the rise. And then the pandemic adds a whole, whole nother layer to isolation and not being able to socialize with your friends. So I realized okay, gosh, I can only imagine what they're feeling. And I want to know what they're feeling. Like, I want to hear it from them. I felt like nobody was asking them how they felt because I think what was happening too is in the households, a lot of the parents were so stressed out and so concerned, like, first of all, how are they going to pay the bills, keep the roof over their head, put food on the table? How are they going to homeschool? So they get so self-absorbed and it's not like a, you know, they're purposely trying to be selfish. It's just naturally, I think that's what was happening. Mm-hmm. that they weren't really asking their kids how they were feeling. They were more of like, I feel like shit, <laughs> excuse my language, you know, no, like, no problem. how am I going yeah. to deal with this? Like yeah. my own mental health is kind of wavering. And, um, but yeah, and, and it, I don't feel like anybody was really focusing on the kids. And so that's mm. where I decided I am really good with kids. I've always loved kids. I always wanted to, you know, be a teacher. I worked with the school system when I first moved out here with kids with learning disabilities. Um, I was a young mom, all of those things where I was thought, okay, you know what? Like, I feel like I have a gift with talking to kids. Did I know if it was going to go well or not? No, I just, it was one of those things where I'm just going to start a YouTube channel and talking to kids and just having it be super candid. Like that's the whole point. I didn't want it to be produced. I wanted to be very raw in the moment. And, um, it just, it turned into something so magical. I feel, mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost a year later in November, it'll be my one year of having the show. And I've already had 57 conversations. Wow. Yeah, I know. And I just realized like, this is it. Like, this is what I meant to do. And being someone that is really good at branding I've managed to kind of put myself out there in a great way as a brand because I know what I'm doing in that regard. <laughs> Where right. I think a lot of people will struggle with that. Like they have a business, they have all this stuff, but they don't know how to put themselves out there and how to package it. So that part, I was uh, very <laughs> lucky. That was the easy part for you. That was the easy part was getting, you know, the name and then uh, just posting about it. And so then rock the boat. And then naturally just from there, my friend Jason was like, Hey, I'm going to have a youth social network and I want you to be the, you know, the creative piece behind it and essentially be the founder. So rock vision that was just launched on June 1st. And those are, those are interactive chat rooms. So it's essentially having the kids come in and there's a facilitator who is talking about confidence or adversity or mindset, 
all of these things, I think it's so important for our kids to hear from adults about and to learn from their experiences, but do it in a really fun way. So it's not like a classroom, you know, already they're doing school on Zoom. So the last All thing day you, long. Yes. Yeah, you don't want them to yeah. feel like, oh, here we go. So another lecture. No, it's, it's definitely more about interacting and having the kids be able to feel like they have a voice and it's a safe space in the sense that there's no, um, it's, it's membership based. So they have their own login. We don't have any like advertising on there, no third party sharing. No, it's none of that. So that they really feel like what they're saying, like none of the calls are recorded. So when they speak in that room, it stays there. Nice. Yeah. So we're, um, we're working on that. We're still kind of like revamping a few things for, for rock vision, but essentially that's what I want to do is just talk to these kids and give them Mm -hmm. that platform and, and the voice really. Are you reaching these kids through their parents or how are you, how do you find these kids to be members on this platform? Um, well, as far as members on the platform, a lot of it is is their parents. Uh, we are trying to find like brand ambassadors that are that age group that are 17 and under, because we know that if parents say, hey, so-and-so, I want you to be on this platform, most kids are going to be like, wait, if you want mm-hmm. me to be on there, no thanks. So yeah. they, they do have <laughs> to kind of have their own, uh, make their own decision with that. So it's trying to figure out how to get in front of these kids to see so that they can see the value of it in it. And it's difficult. Let's be real. They're all just on TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, and they're really accustomed to that's what like social media should be like and the vanity metrics. So then when you're asking them to be in an environment where it's really about community and communication and just like realness. It's, it's, it's a little bit of a, like culture shock, if you will, I think. Yeah, it's <laughs> like a paradigm shift. I'm not used to that. I'm used to hiding behind my phone and commenting and liking and not really having to create a connection. And we're trying to do the opposite. We're trying to bring back connection. And I know there are kids that are craving it because when I talk to kids on Rock the Boat, you'd be, I, I was surprised how many teenagers are like so over social media and they agree. They're like, it is so fake. It isn't real. And, but they almost feel like they have to do it because everybody else is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like this vicious, you know, cycle of, okay, how do we get them to stop, you know, from this hamster wheel? Yeah. And also to like disconnect from all of it. Like the, just the, the, where it taps into like our, our potential for becoming addicted to it, right? The quick moving, the blue light, all of that stuff. Yeah. And then like the crave, I mean, I think, I think it creates cravings and all kinds of things. Like we've had, I have a almost 18, my daughter will be 18 in one week, 18 and 15 year old. And we've had like not enforced, like we're going to make you do a technology cleanse, but we've had suggested technology cleanses during times when we actually have downtime and and can go do other things. And it's amazing how supportive that is of their mental well-being and feeling better and And they don't know um, how to regulate themselves all the time. Well, I, I, I did it myself. So one of my mentors, he has this thing called no, so 24, so no social media for 24 hours, but he means like no, anything, no TV, no music, Mm. no phone, like for 24 hours. And he does it, I think 
once a week or something, but I tried it last year. And it was really interesting because I learned a lot about myself and social media because I did it the day that my daughter had homecoming. And I didn't listen to any music in the car. I didn't put on the TV. I wasn't on any of my social media, but I did have my phone just because, you know, obviously with, with my kids, like it's important I could at least if there was an emergency to have the text, but I wasn't purposely texting people or making phone calls or anything like that. Right. But when I went to go get do pictures with my daughter, I took pictures, but I didn't post them because I, once again, no social media. And it was, it was so weird, Tracy, not to be able to post the pictures, but I had to <laughs> sit there in the moment and go, why do I feel like I have to post pictures? Like, what is it like deep down Raquel? Why? Like you, I I'm doing the experience with her. Why do I feel like I have to share it to the world and others have to see? I'm like, okay, yes. I felt like my daughter looked really pretty, but there were like really cute pictures of me and her. And she was like overpowering me. So it was more about like, oh, I want people to see like my relationship with my daughter. I want the just, you know, I want it to be like validated that I'm a good mom. Like all of those things that, Mm. you know, you don't really want to like listen to, but at at the same time, it was really important for the psychology of it all to be like, oh my gosh, this is more about wanting to kind of show off than anything else. And that part of it was really powerful. And then not only that, the other thing that was amazing was that it's really like out of sight, out of mind where I didn't know what anybody else was doing on a week on that Saturday. So I didn't feel the pressure or feel like a loser if I wasn't out in the, out the, cause like there'll be weekends where I'm looking and people are at the wineries and the girlfriends and everyone's this, and they're hiking. And I'm like sitting at home doing nothing. And then that's when you start thinking like, oh my gosh, like, why am I not out? Like, why did I get invited? Like, it's just yeah, FOMO. I'm 46 years old and I'm still having those thoughts. So like, really like being in does, middle school again. Yeah. yeah. It really does make you think like, what is this all about? Like really, mm-hmm. truly. So I think it's fantastic for adults to do it too. Yeah. I think we like yeah. to believe that we're like super cool and we, oh, we've got this. Oh, 24 hours, no social media or music or TV. Oh yeah. Uh-uh. It is not easy. <laughs> no, it's not easy. I remember at some point, I think it was before I met my now husband, I recognized that I would kind of like reflexively go on Facebook and there are some benefits for being on Facebook. I've connected with people I think about and whatever. Right. So that's great. Babies and puppies and kittens and all the things that I want to see. <laughs> and I noticed that I did not, I did not feel lonely single until I went on Facebook. And so it created and then reinforced a feeling of loneliness for me. I was very, I was very intentionally not dating for a period of time. I was very intentionally just being focused on myself and healing and you know, taking care of myself, growing my business, being focused on my kids and all the things that I said, I wanted, that I said, I wanted to be intentional about, but every time I went on Facebook, I felt, I felt like shit. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like they so took it off my phone. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's kind of like, and that's, and I did a post about this yesterday on LinkedIn and it's kind of gone viral in a sense. I'll so go I check posted it out. a picture of my daughter and I from homecoming, but it's a candid one. Cause there was a curated one where I was like, you know, we both are sitting there smiling and looking all pretty. And then there was one where she has, she looks like she's almost choking me and she's laughing and I'm laughing. Cause I went to go in and give her a kiss 
on her cheek. And of course she wasn't having it. So she was like pushing me away, but it's, it's still a fun picture, but that's the picture I posted. And I always am funny on my post. So at first I wrote like, you know, boys aren't the only ones that have cooties. Apparently moms do too. (laughs) But the whole point of the post was like, I said, I'd like to share a parenting lesson that I learned these past few years. And the lesson was that I, my, you know, that I love my kids with all of my heart and my body and my soul and my whole being. And I know my kids do too, but there's no need for the rest of the world to have to see that. Right. Like I, I was that mom that if I didn't have pictures up on, you know, first or last day of school or their birthdays, or once again, curated like holly holiday photos, or even like hashtag national daughters day and hashtag national Sunday, I didn't post anything. Cause I knew my kids were going to be like, mom, take that down. Cause they'd be, they wouldn't be happy with the picture anyway. So I was like, I'm not going to post it, but there's something inside you that, that like, at least for me, I felt like if I don't post those pictures or I don't post about my kids, people are going to think I'm a bad parent. Mm. they're not going to see, like, they're going to think like, I don't really care about my kids or I don't like, I don't know. I was just like, had that, those feelings and for the longest time. And I remember it wasn't until last year that my kids were like, mom, why do you have to post pictures of us on like social media? Cause it was always like, take a picture. And they're like, we, mom, we don't give a crap. Like, why do you, why do you have to feel (laughs) better about yourself by posting? Like they were the ones that were giving me all that insight of like, mom, we love you. We know you love us. Like, give it a rest. Like why? And I was like, Oh my gosh, they're right. It's more important how I show up in their life as their mom and be present than anything else. And so that's what, what the post was about. Like, you know what we are? So we think that we have to do, we are like dictated by what everybody else is doing on social media. So then we feel guilty. And then that dictates like how we show up. And I was like, Mm -hmm. no, I need to show up the way my kids want me to show up. And we're not immune, right? I think a lot of adults are saying, oh, social media is really bad for kids and teenagers. (laughs) Yeah, well then, okay. Then whoever's saying that, then why don't you stop posting too? (laughs) Seriously, it's, there's a lot of good things, right? Like one of the things that I will highlight is like a lot of my guests on this show have found me through the show's Instagram page. And I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. And and a few through LinkedIn. Well, that's nothing on Facebook because I'm, I'm so irritated with Facebook, but yeah. like it's, yeah. there's good stuff, right? There are ways to use it in a really good way. And, you know, I think you use a really good word here. Like every, so much of it, of what is posted is like curated. Yeah. Right. They've spent time putting on their light reflecting HD makeup and they have their, you know, they can see my ring light, my glasses here, you have their ring yeah. light on and they have their perfect this and all the filters yeah. and the blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, there's, what about uh, you posted actually like random, not great pictures a while ago. I don't remember where it was it on Instagram. Yeah, I did. It and, on your son, and your son was like, mom, what the <laughs> F are you posting? Which I was like cracking up. Well, my actually, son he probably did that, that on too. the one where I showed my, my, a sweaty armpit. Oh, sweaty armpit. Yes, That's right. That's I had so been funny. dancing and my friend was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, look at your armpit. Cause I had like a gray, um, dress on, like not smart. <laughs> Wear black. If you're going to go out dancing, but yeah. So oh, guess like, what? Human sweat when they move their bodies. Yeah, I was oh like, my God. Have you ever seen a sweaty armpit? Like it's really not that disgusting. But my whole point of it was because there's, you know, how there's trendy hashtags on Instagram. Yeah. So one of yeah. the trendy hashtags is thirst or thirst, Thursday, thirst trap or thirst trap Thursday or whatever. And thirst trap meaning like it's a sexy, sexy. picture. Yeah. 
Right. So all these women were, or men are putting these like sexy posts and doing the hashtag. So I was like, well, this is good. Here we go. <laughs> Look at me putting out. Right. Um, but yeah, my son was just like, what the F? But it's funny because his comment got way more likes and, and, and like comments than my actual picture. Did. It was so funny. You could feel his like, what are you doing? Oh, mom? My daughter you could goes, feel the mom, horror. Oh gosh. My mom said, or my mom, my daughter goes, mom, all my friends like screenshot and sent it to me with like my son's comment on there too. But like, he was, like I was so done with everybody like texting me the picture of you. I'm like, well, they don't have to follow me, but isn't that funny? Like what yeah. causes a stir? Like the yeah. fact that I did something that is like, <gasps> like, wait, how, like, wow. Like you're willing to put yourself out there in that way that, yeah. with a sweaty armpit, like, <gasps> yeah, like blasphemy. Oh, like the, that's what's yeah. really that you did right like the old don't never let him see you yeah like Like if I had like a pretty picture of me it would have mattered you looked like you'd had a great night (laughs) oh I did it was like from 2008 my friend one of my best friends from high school he has that in his phone as my contact picture so anytime I call him it's (laughs) he's like that's the best picture of you ever um it's funny how it caused a stir because I didn't give a shit yeah well, do you, <laughs> are you finding in your, in this, in the talks that you're having with the kids and in rock vision that are the kids starting to come around a little bit to that, to just kind of be like, okay, maybe this, all this stuff doesn't actually matter as much as I thought it did. I are you, think so. Just, it's uh, pretty new. So you're probably still kind of watching well, some think, progression. Well, I did have, um, a young girl, uh, she's 15 and I met her through LinkedIn. She reached out to me. So it's not just a 15 year old. I love it. (laughs) I've had 15, 16, 17 year olds reach out to me on their own, asking if they could be on the show. And she was so sweet because, um, she had seen me on something else. I think I did like a a talk on personal branding for a nonprofit and that's where she found me. And then she came and reached out to me, but she had said, she's like, you know, us teens gravitate towards someone like you, Raquel, because you are just like so real and mm-hmm. you can tell that you really do want to give us a voice and help us. So the fact that she sees that, like, that means that like, okay, there are kids that really impre- appreciate like people being themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and then that means it gives them permission to be themselves. And I think that's what's important. And that's why for me, it's, 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 I tell a lot of adults, like we need to walk the walk, you know, because these kids are still feeling the pressure because we're still also putting ourselves out there in a certain way, Yeah, you know, um, they model our behavior. I mean, yeah, anything exactly. that we see that we don't like, we need to turn the mirror around. Yeah. So if I'm saying they're trying to empower these kids, but I can't feel empowered myself, like then I'm essentially a fraud. I think, I mean, that's just mm. how I see it where, if I, if I can't put myself out there with no makeup on or looking, you know, kind of not my best and be okay with it, then how can I empower these kids to really own who they are and to be comfortable with who they are and on all of that, if I can't, if I can't be that. So that's why I try to do it also to empower other people, other adults. I mean, that's why I do a lot of it as well, especially on LinkedIn, kind of like, Hey, oh, yeah. if I can put myself out there in this way, why can't you like, why not? And we use, uh, we use the word authenticity a lot. We use that word. Right. I mean, that's like the buzz, 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 buzz. I know, which I try not to use because of it. (laughs) 
I know, but there's, I know. You know, yeah. I'm, 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 I know it's so really hard like, not to like wanna... not use that word. <laughs> so being real, like I, I love that you said something about, you know, this is about realness. It's about connecting yeah. and making, you know, having a real connection and communication and being ourselves talking about being vulnerable, having adults share their fears and share the journey they've gone yeah. through, I think is super empowering for kids because kids can smell BS from miles away. Yeah, they I can read that. it on us. So if we're not being real with them, they'll know it. They may not be able to articulate what they are picking up on. Yeah. Although today's kids are really pretty. I mean, the way my, how my kids will say things, I'm like, wow, I didn't figure that yeah. stuff out till I was like 40. Super insightful. <laughs> like I feel I like younger generations, like we don't give them enough credit mm-hmm. on the fact that like so many are just really self-aware and insightful. Yeah. And we can learn a lot from them, but they'll, they'll see it, right. They'll see it from a mile away. So what you're doing, I think you're supporting a lot of adults too, by doing that. Right. You know, like just being who you are. I loved your silly, you know, the, not the best photos, one eye half open or whatever, you know, the ones that, that we don't predate digital, right. (laughs) (laughs) Sweaty armpits and, you know, weird angles and all that stuff. I mean, it's funny because my kids like you Snapchat with their friends and my daughter intentionally takes like ridiculously bad photos of herself. All so does my time. daughter. Like I love, I that. love it. Like even yeah. on her Insta uh, yesterday, like I love that she has like that humor, like that I do. So she had posted two things on, on, on Instagram, which I thought was great. So the other day, a while ago, she'd said something like these pics are definitely going to get me verified. And you know how Instagram, when you have the check, oh, yeah. you're verified. It means like you're, you know, I guess the pseudo celebrity. Yeah. yeah, you're in. So there were like some cute pictures of her at the beach with her girlfriends. But then at the end, it was like this awful like picture that she took of like her forehead with her eyeballs. But she goes, yeah, last pick is definitely going to get me verified. So I love that she like (laughs) put that on there joking about herself. And then yesterday for homecoming, same thing. She's like she put some pictures and they're really cute. And then at the end, it was a picture of her after she'd gotten her wisdom teeth taken out. She had like the gauze in her mouth and she took a selfie while we were in the car. Cause my arm was in the car, but I love that she like was willing to also be like, Hey, look, I look really cute here, but look at like, yeah. Look at me three weeks ago. Me, like, yeah, exactly. Right after. And like having her do that, I'm like, she gets it. She gets that. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to some like, yeah, you can look pretty sometimes, but sometimes they're not only going to look pretty and sometimes, and it's okay. And it's like, I love that she shows both. Yeah. yeah. Every time, like, well, like don't get it twisted people. <laughs> yeah. I may you have know? been born this way, but I don't wake up this way. Every yeah. Time, right? And she's just here in high school. And, and, yeah. and it, and also like, it shows that she has a sense of confidence and, and that's what's so important, right? So like, even with your daughter, the fact that she'll like Snapchat, like all these crazy pictures, it shows that she's like, I don't care. <laughs> like, yeah. that's, and there's something yeah. to be said about that because at there that is. age, there's no freaking way I would have posted pictures like that. I'll tell you right now, I was so insecure, yeah. so insecure. Oh my gosh. There's, there's no way. Yeah. It's a very different, I think there's still societal pressure, but I believe that we're becoming more aware and our kids are showing us where we need to become more aware. Like, I feel like I've yeah. learned a lot from my children about all kinds of things, body image, body positivity, acceptance, and, yeah. you know, where our blind spots are, you know, hidden bias that was just yeah. handed right over to us that we never questioned and, you know, things like that, but they're seeing the world differently. I think there's a lot to learn from our youth and, and we, I think, you know, we don't give them enough credit for how wise they are, as you were saying earlier. And I think we also need to remember 
to, to listen to them and let their voices be heard. I mean, this is, there's shocking statistics on the rise in depression, anxiety. And that's, I just read that suicide is the number one cause of death for teenagers or number two in the top. Well, I know that it was number two for a while. Maybe it creeped up to number one. I don't know, but it definitely is in the top there. It's definitely up there. Yeah. And it's not getting any better. It's only getting worse. Terrifying as a parent with one of my children struggles with depression and some of the ideation, suicidal ideation was in there kind of in the beginning stages. And I've learned actually that sometimes the ideation isn't as scary as we think it is, right? Not that we don't take it seriously, but understanding that there was a period of time when uh, when they were thinking about life would be better if I weren't in it mm-hmm. is like, wow, because we're not perfect, but we've got a great relationship. We have a really stable home environment. We have you know a good lifestyle and all the things that we think are going to do it. But depression is such a big fat liar. Struggling with mental health tells us all kinds of lies. You know, and so it would have been easy. And I think this is something my parents would have said, but you've got a great life. What do you, why are you complaining? Right. And I was listening to my son saying how he felt and how he felt about himself and kind of how he viewed things. And I was like, okay, I don't really know what to do with this, except to tell you that I'm here and I'm listening and I want to support you. And if you had a sore throat, I would take you to the doctor. So I think, you know, in this respect, this is outside of my wheelhouse in terms, I'll go and learn how to support you, but I think we need to bring, you know, proper care in here and, you know, thank God for therapy because I think it turned around a lot of that for him and, you know, medicine eventually for him and different things. Like these are the things that we need to give our kids a voice. I think I could have missed some of the signs and God forbid that he would have really kind of gone down that rabbit hole and thought that's what he needed to do. No. And that's so important. And I'm so glad that you like had said that because for me, it was different where I got to the point where I did attempt to take my life. Cause I was mm-hmm. like, what's the point? No one's going to miss me. All of those things. And granted I was at college, so I wasn't at home, but I was already going to therapy. I was already on. It's like, so my parents already knew that I was like, not in the best mental state, but they never, ever asked me anything or asked me how I was doing. Like they really, they were in denial. They are still in denial to, to be mm-hmm. honest. But, um, So for me, I didn't feel like I had them to go to, like, I didn't think that they would care. And, um, to this day, like, I don't talk to them about my mental health. Like if Mm -hmm. I'm not in a good place, I don't tell them because I know they're not going to really like say anything. They're not going to be like, we're here for you. We'll listen because (laughs) what makes me think they're going to be for me here for me now when they weren't there for me in like the worst of the worst of it. Like now I'm in a good place, but yeah, I have my moments. Like I'm still, I still have a day or two where I'm like in bed and I struggle a little bit, but I give myself grace, but there's something to be said when you feel like you can't turn to your parents or you, Mm -hmm. or your parents don't really even bother like questioning things. Um, they have yet to ask me like, why do you think you, you know, got to that dark place or what makes you think that like, we didn't want you around or that you weren't worthy. Like they just, I don't, it's not that they don't care. It's just that they don't know how to, I guess, maybe deal with their feelings about it. And yeah. And all of those things, I can't fault them for it. It makes me sad you know, that like, we've never addressed it and here I'm 46 years old. And I talk about it all the time. And my brother struggles for mental health as well. 
so yeah, it's just, I think as parents, it's really so important as uncomfortable as it is, like, believe me, you're better off being uncomfortable and helping your child Yes, <laughs> than the yeah. opposite. And I think that's what it is, is my parents are just so uncomfortable for them and they just can't handle it. And there's a bit of narcissism there with both my parents, unfortunately. So it's yeah. more about like, well, and I think sometimes we attach our success as a parent onto random weird stuff about our kids, right? Like yeah. if my child is depressed or has anxiety or ADHD something. or yeah. whatever, that that's yeah. a reflection on okay. me as a parent. And it's something that I am aware of. I check regularly. And so I, you know, generationally, I think each generation becomes a little bit more self-aware and does a little bit yeah. better. And, you know, and so I, you know, similarly, like my parents didn't, <laughs> I can't even imagine them asking me, how are you doing emotionally? Like even to this day, I can't imagine it, you know, and they're more aware now than they were. Yeah. Well, my dad's a doctor. <laughs> 30 years ago. So like, yeah, yeah. He, he's a doctor and, and his pe- patients adore him and he has great bedside manner, but yeah. it's always different when it's like your own child or your own, mm-hmm. it's, it's very different. And, yeah. um, like I, I used to go to my mom's best friend when I was younger, even when I got divorced, I remember reaching out to her cause she was a social worker and then she was head of like the mental health department in San Diego County. So she knew what she was doing. And I remember always going to her and luckily I knew there was like, she never said anything to my parents, but so she was that adult for me where mm-hmm. that's where I have to remind myself, like, you know, Raquel, you had someone that you could talk to. So it, and she wasn't family and she was still adult and it's okay. Cause I think that's another thing too, is that I think because unfortunately with so much that has happened over time with sexual abuse and pedophiles and internet and creepers and, you know, all those things, I think as parents, we tend to kind of like, well, we don't want our kids to talk to any adults. Cause we automatically kind of like go to that place of, what do they really want? Like, why do they want to talk to my kid? Like, why are they so interested? And I think that's like been really tough for a lot of us parents, but at the same time, it's really important that kids still have an adult figure that they feel that they can be comfortable with besides their teacher and their parents. Like they're like, Mm -hmm. it's okay. Like if you really talk to your kids about it in a way where they, they understand like, okay, this is someone that I get to talk to, not like, oh, they're an adult and they like, what do they want? I don't know. Like, I just think that it's, it's okay. It's healthy for our kids. That's why when I talk to these kids after a lot of times, and I always inform the parents, I said, Hey, I just let your child know that if they feel that they want to talk to someone that they're, I'm here for them. And every time, every time most of the parents are like, that's great. Thank you. Cause there are some of those kids that I do take it offline where they feel like they can text me once in a blue moon and, or we could just get on a call. Um, so for me, that's really important, but yeah, I mean, I don't think there's enough kids that have someone like that. Yeah. And I think we adults need to really focus on that, right? We have a crisis of self-harm and and all of these things that are going on yeah. and we talk about it and we swirl around in our pearl clutching fears, but we don't yeah. really do much about it. Right. And I think that that's, there it's it, what's interesting is on this show there have been several episodes where i've had conversations with people about their own mental health struggles or with maybe someone in their family or whatever and it's a piece of the puzzle that is part of being human mm-hmm. and i also think that a lot of entrepreneurs who have struggles with if it's adhd type stuff or depression anxiety easy overwhelm all the you know kinds of things that we struggle with 
all of us probably, but it seems to be that a lot of entrepreneurs have found a way to start their business either because they want to provide something that supports other people, much like what you're doing, mm-hmm. or because they need a workaround for their own mm-hmm. mental well-being. Yeah. And staying in a corporate environment or in some other work environment is not the is not the healthy environment for them. So I think these conversations need to happen more often. I think it's become very sort of popular to talk about mental health, but then it's still a little bit taboo, right? Yeah. Well, it's like, well, they're depressed or they have some kind of, I don't know what, you know, schizophrenic, you know, sort of paranoia, things like that, you know, yeah. well, that's somebody else's issue. Right. And so there's still a little bit of like, there must be something wrong, or maybe we just think that. And so we're projecting that onto ourselves and others. But yeah. I think these conversations are just so important. We need to normalize the full spectrum of health in physical, emotional, and mental health. There's a yeah. whole broad spectrum of that. And we need to do that for ourselves. So we really critically need to do it for our children. So I think the service that you're providing, obviously just quick caveat, you're not providing mental health services, but you're providing a safe space for kids to come and learn like real life stuff that yeah. a lot of us didn't learn. I mean, I swear I didn't really pull my head out of my backside fully until I was 40. Well, and most adults, (laughs) like when we were growing up, most adults weren't going to own up to the fact that they were like struggling as a parent or struggling in their business or struggling just in general, or that they make mistakes. Like, I think that's the difference too, is that more and more adults are willing to, willing to be vulnerable and share. Like for instance, um, you know, one of the rooms for rock room, rock vision, we call them rock rooms, but for one of the rock rooms is Justin Guarini from American Idol. And he is super transparent. Like he's willing to talk about all the failures and about the fact that he heard, he had no idea that the, his record labor dropped him until he happened to be at home in his like mansion in Beverly Hills watching Saturday Night Live. And they did a skit on how he was dropped by his label. And he was like what and the fact that yeah. like millions of people found out in that moment at the same time he did like for him that just was I mean he said he was depressed and didn't leave his home for like weeks because mm. it was like but the fact that he's willing to talk about and how important that was and what he learned from it and how he overcame it like all of those things or like if he messed up on stage like what did he do I love that because that's the thing is too many adults I think feel like especially parents. Oh, if we show our vulnerabilities or the fact that we like, don't know what we're doing, then our kids are going to listen to us or they're going to lose respect for us. And I think it's the opposite. I do too. I think you will gain so much more respect from your kids. I know I have, I know when I own up to what I've done wrong, I've apologized to my kids many a times and it doesn't make me like a weak person. It just Mm -mm. is like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Like I'm, I'm trying to figure this crap out too. Like parenting's not easy. And yeah, sometimes I'm going to make a mistake, but I'm going to own it and I'm going to be accountable for it. I'm going to try to do better. And that's what I tell them too. I'm like, listen, thank you for sharing with me. I'm going to do, I'm going to try to do better. And they really appreciate that. Like, cause there've been times where, you know, they hate hearing about me and and like what I do business wise. Like they just don't like to hear it. They feel like it's just (laughs) me talking about myself and I have to respect that. So I'm like, okay. But I also explained to them why I do that. Like I told them, I said, listen, The reason why I talk about what I'm doing and I share all of that is because I want you guys to be proud of me. And it's, and like, I never felt that from, from my parents. I never felt heard. So in a way it's me, it's my own insecurity. And I'm putting that on you because I love you so much. And I want you guys to like, see that. And they're like, mom, we love you, but we really just don't care. 
Like, it's not that we don't care about you. We just don't care about that part of your life or whatever. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Like, I can't, I can't be upset with them for that. Like they're young. They, 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 they yeah. don't care. So then I'm, their focus is very centered yeah, they've to got where they're at right now. Exactly. Yeah. And Age so I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to honor that. So then now when I talk to them, I really don't share unless, and, but they'll ask me sometimes like my son will be like, Hey mom, so how's it going with the job search or how's it going with your business? I let them come to me. And it's, it's, it's funny how many times they do come to me when I, when, now that I've backed off completely in a lot of ways so yeah, I'm I'm learning a lot. But yeah, I think I think it's really important that our kids see that we're not perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, again, kids will model behavior. So they will model our behavior whether we like it or not. So yeah. when we can be transparent and real with them and own our mistakes and apologize, real apologies. Yeah. You know, and one of the things it's like one of the mantras in our house, the best apology is changed behavior, but that doesn't mean you don't verbally make an apology or write a letter. If that's a a better way to do it, it needs to still, you know, show that you have remorse, but then really it's about making a change. So I love that you say like, I'm going to, I'm going to try to do better, you know, now that I'm aware of this. Right. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's a huge service that you're providing for your own children because they're going to go out into the world better equipped to handle their mistakes, to own their responsibility and to do better. Yeah. But I think a lot has to do with me talking to everybody else's kids. Like that was one thing. I'm like, if I'm talking to other people's kids and I'm listening to them and I'm giving them permission and the space to do it, like I have to be able to do that with my own kids. So it really made me reflect on how I was showing up as a parent with my, with my own kids. Cause really like Mm -hmm. it, it did put a mirror up to me. And I love that. Like, I love that I got a huge lesson from this and I myself grew from it as well. Like, I think that's so important that we are willing to, to continue to learn and grow as well, like no matter what. And that's the thing. And um, it's interesting because you know how you mentioned with entrepreneurship, you know, a lot of people go out onto their own because they're the corporate world and the nine to five and the stress. But at the same time, as an entrepreneur, it is really difficult too. like the stress there and the hustle and the grind and trying to make things work. Like, I feel like we don't talk enough about that part of it. Like everybody leaves the corporate world to be their own boss, to have their own schedule, to be able to kind of do their own thing. But that there's a price to be paid with that. And that was something that we had talked about where I realized that like, okay, as an entrepreneur, I'm still not making money. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I might be doing what I love and passionate about and, you know, but the reality is it's, I'm not, haven't been able to monetize it. So now I'm going back into the corporate world and because I need that stability so that I can continue to do what I'm doing. But I think that we need to be better about showing that it's, it's a struggle either way. Like one isn't easier than the other, really. And the mental health part is everywhere. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, before we started recording, we were talking about this a bit. And the thing is, it's like, okay, so I'm doing what I do for a living. I refer to Maslow's hierarchy of needs a lot. And if our basic needs aren't being met, like if we're at risk of losing the roof over our head, or it's a possibility because now we can't pay our mortgage or our rent or whatever, that is not a place that's going to lead us into some kind of enlightenment. Right. <laughs> we might yeah. learn something from it, but it's not going to give us the freedom to be creative and to come up with solutions because we're, we're in a, you know, like this scarcity mode where, you know, it's like just survival and survival is not enough. We have to, we have to be in a position where 
We can think clearly when we need to think clearly and make good, solid decisions based on what's possible rather than the fear of what might happen or not happen and all of those things. And so I I really applaud you, one, for bringing it up while we're recording and two, for actually doing it to, to fill the gap. I think that the world of entrepreneurship, as we see it on social media, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stories about, oh, I sold everything and I moved into my yeah. VW van and I well, the tra- traveled around videos. the world making millions yeah. of dollars. And that's a load of shit. I mean, every once yeah. in a while it works out that way. Or they were super young and they didn't have any other responsibilities and it was okay to couch surf for a while. But you know, for, for people who don't want to live that way, that's okay. There's, you know, there's no guarantee that a corporate job will provide you stability for a long time, but for the time being, you're going to be making enough money and then some to meet your needs, to save, to put yourself in a better position. You've got a a kid going off to college next year. That's another expense that's coming onto your radar. And I truly believe that when you meet these needs of yours, your financial needs, your basic needs, plus that it will help you open up creative ways to monetize this business the two sort of streams that you've got going to start to provide for you in a meaningful way, maybe yeah. even hopefully over time, replace your income and put you in a position to go full-time into that. But I think yeah. this is an important piece for our listeners to hear. If you're in the beginning stages or not even beginning stages, you might just be at a place where you haven't turned the kind of profit that you need, or you're not making the kind of money that you want to be making or need to be making. Don't live in desperation. It, desperation does not create good choices and it doesn't put us yeah. on the path. It's for paralyzing. Success. I know for me, yeah. it's been paralyzing these last several weeks, knowing that I need to find a job because I'm not able to, you know, so I'm kind of like at the tail end, right? Like there comes a point where the money runs out and like the money yeah. ran out and that feeling of desperation, that feeling of stress, like it's paralyzed me to, to continue to do all these other things. Like I should be still, you know, trying to get kids on rock the boat and the rock vision. But if anything, like it's been the opposite for me Yeah, and that's, and that's been my struggle. So you're right. Like knowing that I have that stability, then I feel like that creative flow will open up again. Like I've, I've just, I've blocked it because it's amazing what stress (laughs) will do Absolutely, when you allow it to take control. And I don't want it to take control, but it's a natural, I think it's natural for all of us to kind of get into that state sometimes. And then, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't do us any good. Mm -mm. No, I think you're very wise. And I want our listeners to hear this, right? This is, this is a podcast about mindset reset specific to entrepreneurs and we're sold similar to any other social media we're you know sort of sold these highlight reels but let's let's talk truth anything that looks like an overnight success was probably several years or more in the making chipping away behind the scenes toiling away and you know i don't like hustle and grind i think hustle and glide is a better way to go oh, so sometimes like <laughs> right and i i borrowed that from somebody else but oh. we you know we hustle when it makes sense, like when we're, when we're, when we can see a clear path or a mostly clear path in that direction, that's a great time to hustle and glide when maybe we need a break or it's not like all or nothing. It's kind of like, there's a time to glide. It's like taking a weekend off or, you know, deciding very clearly that you're going to stop working by five or 6 PM or whatever it is, you know, that glide is what helps open up our creativity and like release, even, even as I say, glide, I like feel my shoulders releasing tension and my whole body kind of just even the visual, the visual part, like when you see visually got like the word glide, like there is something about it where it's just like, 
I don't know how to explain it, but yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's like if you've ever tried ice skating, roller skating, rollerblading, riding a bike, you're not paddling all out all the time. You'll run out of steam. I think this is the same thing in, in business. And so you're, you're just very wise. I think you would be, you're still looking at your business model and finding a way to monetize this in a meaningful way. And I think the way it's structured right now relies on volume and that takes time to build. Yeah, You might change it. It might become something different down the road, but for right now, you know, from what I understand, when we talked about your business model before you'll need volume in order to be able to pay your bills with this business. That's okay. That's yeah. just part of the business model. Right? So until then taking care of your well-being, including your financial well-being is imperative. You mm-hmm. cannot this is another mindset piece that I bring in a lot. When I used to teach wellness seminars, I said this all the time. I felt like a broken record, but like we cannot give from an empty cup. We have to yeah. fill up our own cup and you're it. You're the sole breadwinner. So you've, you got to bring in the bread. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that's just I know by my moments, I'm like, <laughs> Um, can I find at least, you know, help with the yeah. load, but <laughs> yeah, then you're like, that just sounds kind of yucky. So no, yeah. thanks. I'll go out. You know, it's like, I'm a strong independent woman. And yeah. you're like, could someone save me please? <laughs> I know. And, but you know what? It's like, I have to, I also think about that in my head because it's like, at the end of the day, I'm going to feel prouder of myself knowing that I was able to like do it without, you know, yeah. having to, I guess, kind of lean on or rely on someone. Not that there's nothing wrong with that, but for me, just being that I've relied on so many people my entire life that mm-hmm. like, I know that I need this for myself too, for, for growth yeah. and, and just, yeah, I just, I just need it for me as well. Well, I think you're, you're setting such a great example for your children, for the kids who come on to the scene with you, both for rock the boat and for rock vision you and I will stay in touch because we will, but I would love to, you know, revisit when things have kind of picked up and taken off and have you come back on the show and be able to share this journey because it's really a journey. You know, we, we have people all over the map in terms of industry and stage of business on this show. And I think that, you know, you're in the very beginning stages and this is as real and raw as it gets peeps. Like this is, this is, and I just turned 46. Like, so like I'm pushing 50, I'm closer to 50 than you are. Yeah. But like, (laughs) that's another thing too, is that it, 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 a lot of times it it takes a really long time, but I feel, I feel young. I still feel like I have so much ahead of me. So it's a nice feeling to know that, yeah, maybe number wise, it might sound a little like scary to some people like, oh my gosh, you're 46 and you're just still like, you're just figuring out. (laughs) But I, Colonel Sanders was in his eighties when KFC took yeah. off. I'm just saying like, you know, it's never too late. It's just never too late. And I yeah, think don't they say like most billionaires, they become billionaires in like their fifties. I think that's like the possibly yeah. what happens. Yeah. So see, it takes time and that's okay. Like, and we just need to remember that. Right. And, and the perfect time to start is just before you think you're ready. So mm-hmm. you have started something you know, and taken a a big risk and a leap of faith. And I know that it's paying off for you emotionally. And I know I have a very strong sense that it will pay off for you financially as well. It just takes time. It just, you know, it doesn't have to take years and years and years and years, but you have to play with your model a little bit until it starts to like pick up momentum and go. And that, 
takes time. So in the meantime, you can seed, you know, you can finance it a little bit by earning money outside of your business. And you, there's a lot of different things you can do. So yeah, yeah. yeah I, I say, you know, my hat yeah, is I'm off to you. The process. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. trusting that this is all evolving the way it should. And that's mm-hmm. like, that's just my, yeah, my journey, my life. And for whatever reason, like I have the obstacles that I do, or I'm not, maybe I'm not ready right now. And there's a reason for it. Maybe that's why I'm not able to monetize it yet. Maybe because sometimes I think, cause I'm not very smart with my money. So sometimes, so that I think like, okay, maybe this is like showing me that I got to get smart with my money. I got to like, stop, you know, spending it on certain things. And I, and really be responsible. And then maybe that's when the money will come in because then at least I won't like just throw it all away or be that person that's like, Oh, I need this handbag or these shoes. Like I've come to realize Mm -hmm. I don't need any of that. So I also truly believe like there's a reason why. (laughs) And that's an interesting, so we could go off on a tangent about this. So I'll just plant the seed. Women especially have been socialized to believe that we're not good with money even down to like the reason why our pockets and our pants aren't real pockets and men's are. Oh my. My husband can fit his whole phone in his front pocket of his pants plus his wallet. Like, yeah, ours are like sewn. <laughs> mm. And it goes back. I mean, it goes back to days when women weren't allowed to have bank accounts and things like that. So yeah. we've been conditioned for a long time that we're not good with money. So there's all kinds of stuff we can do with money mindset, yeah. but there's actually... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and plug a couple of books here and I didn't write them. Um, one is we should all be millionaires by Rachel Rogers. Fantastic book. Okay. So good. Really super. One of the most empowering books I've read ever. Got that. I'm going to write um, it. Really, really good. We should all be millionaires by Rachel Rogers. And the other is I haven't read the, all the badass series, but um, oh, okay. I heard someone reference the, you're a badass at making money in a podcast recently, someone who I know, like, and trust. And so I just picked that up. My husband and I actually are reading it together. And it's really interesting because so much of it is about mindset and what we've been conditioned and where we've picked up these messages about different things. So yeah, I know I've been super conditioned when it comes to money. Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. Every male, female, or anything in between we've all reached (laughs) money is such a weird subject. So I, I invite you to read those two books. Okay. No, I'm going to, they're so good. Yeah. They're (laughs) so, so, so good. And to our listeners, if you, if this resonates, and I've never met a person who hasn't, if they're in a great place with their relationship with money, it's because they've worked at it. Everybody yeah. else has had, you know, that I know myself included have these weird, funky messages and crap that we don't even understand about money. This will help resolve a lot of it, a lot of it for you. I, it's a good time okay. for you to be reading. Okay. These. Perfect. Um, awesome. Yes. So good. My recommendations. So <laughs> I would love to share with our listeners where they can come find out more about what you're doing. Cause I, you know, I don't know all of our demographic of our listeners, but a good number of people I know have kids. So I think that it would be great for them to know where they could send their kids and they can share some of this. I'm sure that the, you know, your mindset and your, your vision and your mission for what you're doing is going to resonate with a lot of parents. So where can we, where can we find you and how can Um, we support you? So with social media, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, so Raquel Boris, and then on Instagram, I'm Raquel.Boris. And we also have a Rock Vision Instagram. So it's just okay. you know, R-A-Q-V-I-S-I-O-N. So at Rock Vision. And then um, I have Rock the Boat, which is on YouTube. So it's R-A-Q the Boat. 
So if you can subscribe to that, that'd be fantastic because that's one of the things I'm trying to monetize, but that takes a while when it comes to YouTube. And then there's the actual Rock Vision website, which is www.rockvision.tv. And you can go check out um, uh, the, the website and it'll give you a whole explanation of what it is that we do and who's involved and everything. And yeah, I think that's, that's essentially, you can find me in those places, but Perfect. we'll share yeah, all those links out in the to show me. Notes. Yeah. Reach out to me. If you think that you might have a child yourself or someone else's kid that might want to have a conversation with me with on, on rock the boat, that'd be great. Cause I am always looking to talk to different kids, um, 17 and under, and they don't have to have anything in particular. Like, it's funny how many people have asked me what the criteria is. I'm like, there's none. Every kid. kid is special. Every <laughs> yeah, every kid is special in their own way. And I've had conversations about video games I love just it. because yeah. that's what the kid wants to talk about it. Like mm-hmm. it really doesn't have to be that they're doing something, you know, spectacular and starting a nonprofit or writing a book. Like it's just giving them a voice period. Being a human. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, I, I applaud you for taking this huge leap of faith. I think working with kids is a special calling, a very yeah. special <laughs> calling and we need it and we need you. So to our listeners, check it out, you know, support her in any way you can for people who have kids who know other people who have kids, you know, send them over to check it out. Cause I, I've seen a couple of your interviews on rock the boat and they're, yeah. they're freaking adorable one. Yeah. and it's really, really sweet to watch you interact with them. You have this, as who you are as a human, you have this brightness about you. And it's like dialed up so much when you're talking with the kids. Like I really can, can see and sense that. Yeah. Yeah, It's you're very much in your zone of genius and in, in your, you know, in the right space. And so, you know, I, I just wish you the best of success. I know if there's any other way that we can support you, you know, please, let us know. And we'll just keep, keep the good stuff going forward. Thank this is going places. Yeah, appreciate yeah. it so much. <laughs> Do you, Oh, you're welcome. Do you have any parting wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners? It can be really anything. Um, I think for me, a lot of it is just trusting myself. I think, you know, there's so many of us that we, look to other outside sources to kind of tell us what to do or what we're supposed to be. And I think a lot of times we ignore that inner voice. And and it wasn't until I really listened to myself and that voice that I realized like, this is what I love doing and this is where I belong. And I think sometimes we just, um, we're so busy (laughs) Mm -hmm. that we forget to just sit and quiet all the outside noise and just listen. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Really, it's all about listening. (laughs) Listen to ourselves to and to the kids. Right? <laughs> I love it. And not the, not the inner critic. Tell that person to shut up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for coming in the car with me. I'm going to drop you off at the bus stop. Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, as always, it's a real pleasure to speak with you. And I, I'm just th- so thankful to you for coming on the show. I think there's a lot of good nuggets in here. I love going back and re-listening. I can't wait to re-listen to this episode and and make sure that we draw out the final lines. Yeah. Well, that's what we do. Right. But this is, this is the thing is that there's so much good stuff in there and bringing a real person onto the show to share, you know, the up down and everything in between 
right? Yeah. The good, bad, and the ugly of all of it, I think is yeah. what this is all about. It's really, you know, my, my intention is to share our stories with our listeners and create a space that doesn't feel like a deserted island where we're all there, you know, stranded on our own, but we're actually all in this together, even if we don't know each other face-to-face. So I think this yeah. is a great way to do that. So I really appreciate you coming on and just being so open and, and uh, real with us. So thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset. If you liked what you heard, be sure to click the subscribe button so you'll never miss a show. Please leave us a review and tell your friends about us so more people can hear the valuable information we share in each episode. We look forward to hearing from you and celebrating your success.